Uh, our reading this morning comes from uh, the Revelation of John, uh, chapter 4, uh, and then we go into chapter 5. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front and behind the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, around the throne, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, and the third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sit on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. We now go down to verse 6 in chapter 5. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a 
kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who received power and wealth and wonder and strength and honour and glory and praise. <coughs> then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Thank you, George. What a wonderful passage. Well, what is worship? We gather here each Sunday, and we've already said to worship God. But we often come rushing in from busy lives. Maybe we have something to do here, welcoming people or the music, counting the offering or whatever. Or we think about catching up with friends. I ask you as I ask myself, where does God come into the picture? Am I here to worship him or to be entertained by a good sermon? music we like, or a little rest and a snooze. The word worship comes from an Anglo-Saxon word meaning worth-ship. Worship acknowledges the worth of who or what is being worshipped. We don't just do that when we meet together, but all our lives, our attitudes, our values, and behaviours show what we give worth to. And we express that worship in our thoughts, our words and our actions. So who or what do we worship? I once had a neighbour who worshipped his car. He washed it, polished it, treated it with respect and drove it with pride. To him it was the centre of his life. He valued its worth. I know families where sport and sporting heroes are worshipped. They never miss a match or an opportunity to, to train. Every move is followed with devotion. They sing songs in praise. They train their children from babyhood to wear the colours of their team. They know all the heroes and watch or go to all the games or the competitions. Many of us Christians worship family more than God. Family functions can have a priority over church. Children or grandchildren's education is giving more, given more value than giving to God's work. Time is devoted to family with little left over for God. Other Christians put themselves 
and their own wealth, employment, wishes, needs or ambitions in place of God. He comes off second or third best after themselves. He gets any love, devotion, time or money left over after all that involves them has first priority. When we give ourselves to God, he's not just a side interest in our lives. It's all or nothing. As Davidson illustrated last week, the idea of commitment, when contributing to an egg and bacon breakfast, a chicken gives a contribution, a pig gives total commitment. God requires total commitment of our whole lives. If we choose God, then we give him the worth and value he deserves. Belonging to God's family is not a nice social club of people we like. It's taking up our cross and following him, boots and all. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 describes a most inspiring scene of worship in heaven. This is the pattern for perfect worship. Firstly, God holds centre stage. Throughout the whole book of Revelation, God's throne is always at the centre. It's always occupied, but the one on it is never described. Human eyes are unable to see or comprehend God. John the prophet makes comments saying he's like jasper and carnelian, precious stones. But the description of what surrounds the throne is absolutely awe-inspiring. So we're left in no doubt as to his magnificence beyond the power of human words. John describes something like an emerald rainbow, shining precious stones, a sparkling crystal sea, lightning flashes, rumblings, thunder and blazing lamps. But wait, this throne, occupier of the throne is not alone. There's another being at the centre of the throne. He's a lamb. Not just your ordinary little pet lamb, but a lamb who carries the wounds of having been killed. A lamb who has triumphed, who possesses all knowledge and power. He has seven horns, which symbolise perfect power, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, or God's Holy Spirit sent out into all the earth. Here is the Trinity, God the Father, the one on the throne, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who has been slain, and the Holy Spirit who is sent out to indwell people. Together they are at the centre of worship, not the pastor, nor the music team, nor ourselves. He is the supreme focus of our attention. 
Worship is all about him. When we come to worship our one God, we worship him in three persons, Father, Son and Spirit. Now we'll never understand how that works, but we're not called to understand everything. We're called to give him the glory as much as we do understand. We're called to honour him as much as we do understand and to offer Father, Son and Spirit our praise as much as we do understand. So, who worships with us? We can sometimes feel as Christians that there are only a few of us in our world who worship God. We look around our church and we see empty seats and we wonder. But Revelation reminds us that we belong to an amazing company of worshippers, more than can possibly be counted. Closest to the throne, John the writer saw 24 elders in pure white clothing and wearing golden crowns, all seated on 24 thrones. These represent the whole people of God, the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament and the 12 apostles of the church in the New Testament. John describes four amazing living creatures representing the whole of creation. One has the face of a lion, king of wild animals. The second, the face of an ox, the strongest of domestic animals. The third, the face of a human being, the most intelligent, hopefully, of created beings. And the fourth, that of an eagle, strongest of all birds. Surrounding them are thousands, myriads of angels. Jews were not much good at maths, but John uses the largest number that he can think of. Thousands of thousands, myriads of myriads of angels. And beyond them is every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. This enormous company joins in full volume in praising God, and we belong there too, with all the followers of God and the Lamb who've ever lived and living now, or who will live in the future until Jesus returns. This is mind-blowing. So, with all these people, how do we worship? The elders, as representative of God's people, cast their crowns before the throne. They give an offering, as we do in part of our worship. But theirs is not just a token offering of a few coins to salve their conscience. Everything they have or have achieved is represented in their crowns and they offer it all in worship. They sing in praise to God. Their words, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. 
This is not mindless worship. The words matter. They praise God for who he is and his wonderful works of creation. They know why they are worshipping and they bring glory to God by acknowledging his mighty works of power. But worship of the Creator is not enough. They also sing a new song to the Lamb. You are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased people from God, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests and to serve our God and they will reign on earth. The words which this enormous crowd of worshippers sing contains the reason for worshipping the Lamb. We worship Jesus because he was slain, and with his blood he purchased people for God. Now not all of our songs in church are genuine praise to God. Some focus on the worshippers, not on God. When we worship, we worship God in his three persons. True worship glorifies him by bringing our praise, our thanks and honour to him for who he is and for all that he has done as creator and redeemer. In England in the 18th century, there was a great spiritual revival as a result of the preaching of John Wesley. Their converts remained in the faith because as people came to believe, they learnt what that meant from the hymns his brother Charles wrote to popular tunes of the day. People are still singing the, some of the hymns of John Wesley and Charles Wesley today and in them they're learning theology about God from the words. The words we sing are important. They praise God and they teach us. Here in Revelation, people from every tribe, language, people and nation worship. Heaven is not a nice, middle-class, European enclave. It's a vast multitude of different people, and most of them, I want to say, are not like us. But God considers the whole group kings and priests. We're only there because of Jesus' death on the cross, paid the price for us all to belong to God. None of us deserve to be there. And we bring glory to Jesus by acknowledging what his death on the cross has achieved for all humanity. Again, his sacrifice is the focus of our worship. This big crowd fall before the Lamb, prostrating themselves in utter humility. I was a bit surprised to see on TV at Easter the Pope was fully prostrate on his face before the presence of Almighty God. That seems a bit strange to us as Baptists. 
But we could learn a thing or two from other Christian traditions. Many of us are too influenced by our northern European inhibitions to express our emotions in worshipping God with our bodies. Yes, our minds should be engaged in worship, but we should humbly worship with all of our being, body, mind and spirit. Maybe by kneeling, raising hands, clapping, dancing or falling on our faces. People in the Bible worshipped in all of those ways. The elders also have harps with which they presumably accompany their singing. Psalm 150 lists a number of instruments God's people used in worship. These include trumpets, harps, lutes. I had no idea what that was, but Wikipedia tells me it's like a modern guitar. Tambourines, stringed instruments, woodwinds, and loud clashing cymbals. Yes, God does like reverent music, but that's no reason to think that well-played, loud, instrumental praise is unacceptable to him. The elders are also holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Prayers are an important part of worship in which God's people cry out to him and bring the sweet-smelling aroma of obedience to him. When incense is burned, it goes up before it spreads out. It's a lovely picture of our prayers going up to God and being welcomed by him as a sweet-smelling fragrance. He is listening and he takes delight in our adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. The four living creatures never cease their singing day or night. They praise God for his holiness and his eternal might and they sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they sing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. I find it amazing to think that the animal kingdom is already praising the Creator. But as every animal is what God created it to be, it reflects his glory and praises him. And finally, the angels sing in the chorus of intelligent praise with full voice. We sang last week, the angels roar. And I thought, do they? Well, I've discovered they do. They sing loudly to the Lamb and they sing worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing for ever and ever. I can almost hear the words of Handel's Messiah. So together with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, let us 
proclaim God's great and glorious name, forever praising him. I'd like you now to join me in saying together the words in blue here. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.